Well, uh, before we just begin, and it is a special morning always to have baptism, Um, it's an incredible thing to see people willing to make a stand for Jesus Christ in a public way, and so we're excited about that. Also, it's hard to believe, but uh, All Hallows Day is over with, moving on towards the, uh, I, I guess, a holiday nobody cares about, Thanksgiving, moving right on into Christmas, as it works. Um, please do not forget, it's, it's been great, the number of boxes that have been picked up. Really appreciate that. And so now we're hoping to see those boxes return. So full, full, yes. Full. So uh, you can start returning those anytime. And we'll, we'll, we'll take those boxes. So, all right. Um, there was a huge explosion that occurred in a gunpowder factory, and a short time later, an inquiry ensued, and the investigator asked one of the few survivors, he asked him, you were there, so tell me exactly what you saw. And the survivor said, well, it kind of happened like this. Um, I saw old Charlie, he was in the powder room, he was in the mixing room, and I saw him reach into his pocket, pull out a cigarette, and he lit up. He lit up, the investigator said in stunned surprise. I just can't believe he would do that. How long was he working at the factory? And the survivor said, well, he was working about 20 years. 20 years with the company, the investigator said. And then he goes and he strikes a match in the mixing room. You would have thought that would have been the last thing that old Charlie would have done. It was, sir, said the survivor. Well... You're probably wondering, gee, that's a lame joke. But, you know, uh, we're continuing Proverbs. We're actually going to be talking about common sense. So I've entitled the uh, message this morning, Something That Is Actually Not So Common. Uh, Lord, I do love humor. And I love the book of Proverbs. Oh, that we would take it seriously. Because then we would live so much more abundantly. And so I just ask Holy Spirit as always that you would fill me afresh, that you would fill me from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head. And Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I just ask that you would permeate this room, that you truly would give us soft hearts to receive your word and ears to hear. Because if we truly hear, it will bring us life. Life to our very souls. And so I'm just asking in these next few minutes before baptism that we will be really attentive and we'll allow you to speak to our hearts, speak to our souls. And I ask for this in your precious name. Amen. I guess we don't have any Mensa candidates at all, huh? Well, it says in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 21 this. Skip, can you put it up? My child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them. Solomon first writes, my child, don't lose sight of common sense. The clear inference here is is that as we get older, we actually lose the ability to have common sense. And there's actually some truth to this. Robert Fulgram years ago wrote a bestseller entitled, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in in Kindergarten. In the book, he stated this, there are... These are the key things that I learned in kindergarten. 
Number one, share everything. Two, play fair. Three, don't hit people. Four, put things back where you found them. Five, clean up your mess. Six, don't take things that aren't yours. Seven, say you're sorry when you hurt someone. Eight, flush. (laughs) That's very practical, okay? Very true, very practical. Nine, warm cookies and milk are good for you. I absolutely agree with that. And finally, number 10, goldfish and hamsters and white mice and even the little seed in the styrofoam cup, they all die. So do we. Wouldn't it be amazing if we just had the common sense of a five-year-old? Can you imagine what the world would be like if we just actually employed the common sense of a five-year-old? You know, many years ago, there was a hit song. You might remember What the world needs now is love, sweet love. You know, I'd like to kind of change that. What the world needs now is common sense, sweet common sense. Isn't that true? You know... Actually, this is a true story. It's not a preacher story. Not too long ago, there was a man that actually lived in Kiev, uh, Russia, and he decided that he was going to visit the zoo, a zoo in Kiev, Russia. And so he brought with him a rope, and he lowered himself. He actually lowered himself into the lion enclosure. And a crowd began to gather around him, watching this man lowering himself into the lion enclosure. And he finally got down into the enclosure, and he began crying out, God will save me if he exists. God will save me if he exists. Well, the lioness came out of, of, of her den, made a kind of a beeline for the guy, knocked him over, and severed his carotid artery. Now, that's what you would call a stupid man. And of course, God wouldn't save this man because he wouldn't want this man to reproduce. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, what what is the guy possibly thinking? If there was a God, he's going to let him die. I mean, seriously. I mean, you you just got to ask, where is the common sense? And so you're wondering, what exactly is common sense? Glad you asked. Now, listen to this. Common sense is the ability to think and reason. Common sense is the ability to think and reason with the result that you can actually make good, practical decisions. For example, you are camping with a friend, all right? And it's, it's morning, and you've got a campfire going, and you're enjoying your cup of coffee, and suddenly you hear this rustling in the bushes, and a bear, a wild bear appears, and he begins to charge at you. What do you do? Well, your friend suddenly puts on their tennis shoes, And you are incredulous. You go, you don't actually think you can outrun the bear. And your friend looks up at you with a kind of a coy smile and says, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. You see, that's common sense. Now, it's not very nice, but it's very practical. And that would be common sense. And, you know, seriously, though, common sense is something that is just so lacking in our culture. And, you know, as I was reading just the Gospels, it's so interesting. Jesus is actually brimming with common sense. Did you know that? I mean, he's just brimming. I just want to give you one example because we don't have a lot of time this morning. So in the book of Luke, we have an example of Jesus and common sense. It says this, Luke chapter 14, starting at verse 1. One Sabbath day, Jesus went to eat dinner in the home of a leader of the Pharisees, and the people were watching him closely. What that means is is they were looking to trap him. 
there was a man whose arms and legs were swollen. Uh, back in the day, they called that dropsy. Now in modern times, we call that edema. And it actually can be rather seriously. And Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts in the religious law, is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath day or not? When they refused to answer, and by the way, just so you know, it wasn't against the Sabbath to heal, all right? It was against the Pharisees and the Sadducees' tradition, but it was not against the law to actually heal. So it it says that when they refused to answer, Jesus touched the sick man and he healed him and he sent him away. Then he turned to them and he said, which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? If your son, and by the way, it really should read donkey, if your donkey or your cow falls into a pit, don't you rush to get him out? Again, they could not answer. Do you see what Jesus is doing here? He's just employing common sense. He's saying, look, if you're going to go as Pharisees and Sadducees, as religious leaders, if you would go on the Sabbath day and you would save an animal, how much more valuable is a human being made in the image of God to go save, to go heal? He goes, he's just standing there, goes, are you kidding me? I'm the creator of you guys and you guys lack common sense. I mean, they just flat out lack common sense. Now, as I was actually thinking about this story, I was thinking, you know, there's a lot of people today that would probably save their pet before they would save, you know, a human being, right? You know who you are. (laughs) But that's a whole entirely different message, isn't it? You know, it is truly amazing to me, you know, just how... People lack common sense. In fact, while I was away in Italy, I, 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 and by the way, I love the emails that I get. You know, I can use them sometimes. So someone actually forwarded me. There were a whole raft of photos. I just want to show you a few of, of, of these photos. Skip, can you just kind of put them up? Now, these are people that kind of lack common sense. Can you put up the next one, Skip? Those, those are three guys holding a guy up on that ladder, Okay. Now, the question is, do you guys think anybody is, do you think these guys would actually make it to retirement? You know, one of the great reasons why people don't understand this book here, the word of God, is because they just lack common sense. Do you know that God is a God of logic and a God of common sense? See, the obvious question is, how can I get the mind of God? How can I get the mind of God? Because he wants us to have common sense. And, and one of the great passages in scripture is found in the book of Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2. Skip, can you put that up? And so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person. How? How? Then you will understand. Then you will understand what he's saying that God's mind. You will understand intrinsically what is God's will. You'll understand what his good, pleasing, and perfect will is. Do you understand? Christianity is right here in Romans 12, 1 and 2. And we talked about this last week. He's saying if you really understand that God loves you, if you understand that God loves you so much, if you'd only been the only person on planet earth, Jesus Christ would have come and he would have allowed himself, his blood to be spilt for you, nailed on a cross. And that's what Paul says in chapters 1 through 11. 
in Romans. He says, if you can really grasp that, he goes, what is the only common sense thing that you can do? He's saying, just surrender yourself. The only common sense thing you can do, we talked about it last week, is just let go of your life. We're talking about the God of the universe who loves you so much, who is all powerful. He says, let go of your life. And then notice what he says. He says, that's real worship. You know, we think we're coming to church here and we're worshiping. Let me tell you something. You're not worshiping God if you have not given over your life to him. And said, here's my life. I understand you gave your life for me. And now I'm giving you my life back. That's worship. Then everything you do is worship. See, people are confused. They go to me, oh, well, you know, they're a pretty good person. They go to church. They give money. They volunteer. Blah, 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 blah. But yet they're still essentially running their lives their own way. That's not worship to God. You can come here. You can do all kinds of religious things and not be worshiping God. Worship starts when you and I honestly, in our hearts, surrender completely, give up control and say, here you go. And it unleashes verse 2. Because verse 2 starts with, don't copy. The only way you're not going to fall in line with the world, the only way you're going to get the mind of God and transform, is when you finally let go, the Holy Spirit comes up within you and he begins to change and transform your mind so that you go from a worldly mindset, which is what people have, to a divine mindset. You begin to have God's mind. And all of a sudden, you're going to have common sense. No, you will begin to really just have flat-out common sense. I wish we had more time, but we need to move it on. All right, secondly, Solomon tells us this morning that we not only need to have common sense, but he also says, Skip, can you put it up, uh, that we need to have discernment. Now, discernment is really missing in the American church. If you've been here any period of time in the average American church, we certainly lack discernment. Discernment, by the way, is the kissing cousin to common sense. In the simplest terms, to have discernment means that you can distinguish truth from error. Truth from error. I want you to know discernment is worth its weight in gold. Can you distinguish truly truth from error? Three things are absolutely essential if you are going to be able to distinguish truth from error. And I just want to roll through these very quickly. Number one, if you are going to have discernment, you have to have a passion. You have to have an incredible desire to want to know the truth. You know, there's a very interesting story found in the Old Testament. And the scene is simply this. Israel is now divided into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And in the book of Second Chronicles, we pick up this uh, just intriguing story starting at verse 18. Now listen to this. Skip, you can put up the scriptures. Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, by the way, was the king of the southern kingdom, Judah. And he was, for the most part, a godly king. And it said he enjoyed great riches and High esteem. That happens, by the way, when you're wise and you follow God. And he made an alliance with Ahab of Israel. Now, Ahab was the king of the northern kingdom. His wife was Jezebel. That tells you something when a woman's named Jezebel. First clue, that's not a good union, not a holy union, okay? And it wasn't. And he, he makes an alliance by having his son marry Ahab's daughter. Now, that was not wise by the way, on Jehoshaphat's part. A few years later, he went to Samaria to visit Ahab, who prepared a great banquet for him and his officials. They butchered great, a great number of sheep, goats, and cattle for the feast. Then Ahab enticed Jehoshaphat to join forces with him to recover Ramoth-Gilead. 
Will you go with me to Ramoth Gilead? King Ahab of Israel asked Jehoshaphat of Judah. Jehoshaphat replied, why, of course, you and I are as one, and my troops are your troops. We will certainly join you in the battle. Then Jehoshaphat added, but first let's find out what the Lord says. Now, that's wise on Jehoshaphat's part. Now watch verse 5. So the king of Israel summoned the prophets, 400 of them, and asked them, should we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or should I hold back? They all replied, yes, go right ahead. God will give the king victory. Now let me tell you something. In the spiritual realm, the majority is generally always flat out wrong. No, no. The majority is generally almost flat out wrong. It's scary what's happening in America. Where you see big crowds in the spiritual realm, generally you've got people flacking to what I call false teachers. So now watch this. I love verse 6. But Jehoshaphat asked, is there not also a prophet of the Lord here? We should ask him the same question. Very wise on Jehoshaphat's part. Verse 7. The king of Israel replied to Jehoshaphat, there is one man... Who could, cons- who could consult the Lord for us, but I hate him. He never prophesied anything but trouble for me. His name is Micaiah, son of Imlah. No, you, you love this. And why do you think Ahab hates Micaiah? Because he tells the truth. No, no, he tells the truth. And he speaks for God. Jehoshaphat replied, I love this. That's not the way a king should talk. Let's hear what he has to say. So the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, Quick, bring Micaiah, son of Imlah. Now, I'm dropping down to verse 14 for time. When Micaiah arrived before the king, Ahab asked him, Micaiah, should we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or should I hold back? Micaiah replied sarcastically, Yes, go up and be victorious, for you will have victory over them. But the king replied sharply, How many times must I demand that you speak only the truth to me when you speak for the Lord? Then Micaiah told him, now watch this, in a vision. This is fascinating in the spiritual realm. If we grabbed a hold of this. In a vision, I saw Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, the master has been killed. Send them home in peace. Didn't I tell you the king of Israel exclaimed to Jehoshaphat? He never prophesied anything but trouble for me. Then Micaiah continued, listen to what the Lord says. I saw the Lord seated on his throne with the armies of heaven all around him. Those are the angelic realm. That's his council. And on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, who can entice King Ahab of Israel to go to battle against Ramoth Gilead so he can be killed? There were many suggestions. And finally, a spirit approached the Lord and said, I can do it. How will you do this, the Lord asked. And the spirit replied, I will go out and inspire all of Ahab's prophets to speak lies. You will succeed, said the Lord. Go ahead and do it. So you see, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouths of your prophets, for the Lord has pronounced your doom. Then Zedekiah, son of Kenna, walked up to Micaiah and slapped him across the face. Since when did the spirit of the Lord leave me and speak to you, he demanded. And Micaiah replied, you will find out soon enough when you are trying to hide in some secret room. Now, you can read the rest of this story at your leisure. By the way, there's nothing else to do this afternoon except watch the Giants lose probably their eighth game or whatever. But I will tell you this much. Ahab dies. Why does Ahab die? He dies because he wasn't interested in the truth. He didn't want to know the truth, so God gave him a lie. And he didn't have discernment, and he died in a bad decision. Let me ask you a question. Do you really want to know the truth? 
Do you really want to know the truth? You know, far too often, too many people fulfill that great movie, A Few Good Men. You can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. I pray, I pray that's not true. Well, secondly, if you're going to have discernment, you must test everything against the word of God. Against the character and the will of God. So whatever you hear, whatever decision you're trying to make, you must put it against this book. It's plain and simple. In fact, it says this in the book of Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14. Skip, put it up. But solid food is for the mature. Solid food is for the mature. How many here would say that you're mature? <laughs> Nobody wants to do that, do you? <laughs> Let me tell you something. According to the book of Hebrews, if you are mature, then you are taking solid food. And you're saying, well, what is solid food? Do you know what solid food contextually is in Hebrews? The New Testament. The New Testament. You know, let me ask you this question. Let's say someone were to ask you, come up and say to you, can you tell me in one simple sentence the purpose of this entire book? Truth. That would be true. For the sake of argument, here we go. Here it is. The purpose of this book is God's progressive revelation of himself and his plan for the world, for angels, and for man. The Bible is God's progressive revelation of himself and his plan. And his plan for the world, his plan for angels, and his plan for you. Notice it's progressive. See, the Old Testament is mere shadows. The New Testament gives you full disclosure of the great mysteries in the Old Testament. Now watch this just for time's sake. So skip, put back up Hebrews 5. If it's not up there, here we go. But solid food is for the mature. Now watch this. Who by constant use, that is reading the word of God, especially the New Testament. Now watch this. Have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil, truth from error. You see, the more you continue to read the New Testament especially, you're going to gain discernment. You're going to be able to distinguish truth from error. You know, not too long ago, Leonard Sweet wrote a very interesting book entitled The Gospel According to Starbucks. Skip, put it up. In that book, he, he introduces a guy by the name of Ed Falbert. Now, Ed Falbert is what you call a cupper. You know what a cupper is? A cupper is a professional coffee taster. In fact, this guy's taste buds are actually certified by the state of New York. Your tax dollars hard at work. All right. Now, now here's the amazing thing though about Ed Falbert. You can blindfold this guy. You give him a cup of coffee. He can sip it. All right. He can not only tell you that it is from the country of Guatemala. Or this is blindfolded. He can also tell you which state of the 14 states from Guatemala it's from. Not only that, he can tell you at what altitude the coffee bean was growing, and not only that, he could tell you on which mountain the coffee bean was harvested. Now imagine if you just knew the New Testament half as much as Ed knows coffee. No, no, do you think you'd have discernment? Of course we would have discernment. Of course we would have discernment. All right, finally, because we're just running out of time. To have discernment, to have discernment, maybe this is the most important thing. You need to have the Holy Spirit. Watch this now. This part, this part's worth its money and gold. Here we go, all right? 
We find this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Here he goes. Dear children, the last hour is here. You say, what do you mean? We're in the last hour? Yes, we are. The last hour, the final day, started with the ascension of Jesus Christ. Now watch what John says. He says, you have heard the Antichrist is coming. The lawless one is coming, the one who seeks to replace Christ. He is the final world ruler. And I wish we just had more time, but I'm going to tell you this much. I do believe the Antichrist is alive today. But he says, already such Antichrists are here. You know what he's speaking about? He's speaking about false teachers. You say, well, how can I discern a false teacher? I'll tell you one way. False teachers concentrate on the temporal. They tell you how wonderful your life can be here rather than concentrating on the eternal. It says this in Colossians chapter 3 and verses 1 through 4. Quickly, Skip, can you put it up? Is it still there? Bingo, here we go. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things on earth. No, think about the things in eternity. Run from an eternal perspective, not the things on earth that'll burn. For you died to this life and your real life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. Oh, I wish we, here we go. These people, he said, have left our churches. You know, they never really belonged. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. But when they left, it proved that they did not really belong to us. One of the ways you know a false teacher is they always have their own ministries. No accountability. Verse 20. But you are not like that, for the Holy Spirit has given you the Spirit. Now watch this. For the Holy One has given you his spirit. That's the Father has given you the Holy Spirit. And all of you know the truth. Watch. So I am writing to you, not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. Oh, isn't that beautiful? You see, if you're truly born again, then the Holy Spirit is in you. You have your own built-in personal lie detector. Have you ever thought about that? So have you ever been listening? You're, you're listening to me blather on. And suddenly you do ding, 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 warning lights, warning lights inside go off. That's the Holy Spirit. You may not know exactly what I'm saying is wrong. You might actually have to do a little digging yourself when you go home, all right? But the Holy Spirit, he sends off warning bells that something is wrong. Do not, do not, if you are born again Christian, ignore that. Every time I have gotten into trouble, it's when I have ignored the warning bells. I haven't had a peace, but I still went ahead and did it. Bad idea. Really bad. All right, we got to close. And the, the, the challenge is simply this. Skip, put up 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, because I don't want to miss this. Examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourself, you know. <laughs> We are so interested in making sure in America everybody is saved. Oh, oh they, they said Jesus, they're in. No, see, that's the wrong, you know, tack to take. The New Testament cha- constantly challenges. Examine yourself. It says, make sure you're of the faith. I want to be true to you. How do you know? Are you sure you're of the faith? Are you absolutely sure that if you were to die right now, that you would spend eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven? You say, well, how can I know for certain? Here's the test. Can you honestly say that you love Jesus with everything you have? Can you honestly say that you love truth 
and you're seeking truth. Can you honestly say you love the word of God and you seek this word? You seek to know him. You seek to know his will in the word of God. Can you honestly say, I sense the Holy Spirit. I feel the Holy Spirit. He speaks to me. If you pass the test, God bless you. Lord, I just, I know it's been quick, but I pray, I pray as we see these baptisms that will allow the Spirit to testify to us of the beauty about what's to take place. I ask for this in your precious name. Jeff, can you take it? Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website at www.bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our statement of faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's bccdelmar.org. Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making him known.